Okay, today's guest needs no introduction. I'm talking with David Icke. I think every single person here knows who David Icke is. And he has a new book out right now, Everything You Need to Know But Have Not Been Told or Were Not Told, right? And so today's conversation is going to be a little bit on the challenging side for a lot of people because there are those among you who have actually had direct experience with some of the topics we're talking about. And uh, we're first going to set it up by saying hello to David, whom I have not been on screen with in a few years, and I'm so happy to be with again. Hi, David. Hello, Regina. Been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, I'm loving the fact that your work is now going so much more mainstream, really. I mean, we think of you as the grandfather of conspiracy, but now we're learning that conspiracy is not a word that we should have been playing with all along, right? Right, yeah. Well, I've, more, more like the uncle. The grandfather bit's to come. <laughs> okay. Although um, I am 66 uh, very shortly, but uh, <laughs> just, just a number. Um, yeah, I mean, this is one of the interesting things that's happened, and it's happening quicker and quicker, that that which was dismissed as conspiracy theory and let's not forget that that term conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorist was brought into widespread use in the 1960s by the CIA and the documents exist to prove this and they contacted major media organizations urging them to use these terms to discredit those that were understandably questioning uh, the official story of the Kennedy assassination and the assassination of, of Malcolm X, etc. So um, it's, a, it's been a term of derision. And it's interesting that people don't ask the question, um, well, it's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah, hold on, deep breath. But is it true? Do the facts stack up? They never go to that stage. But what's happening now is reality, life, is stacking it up for them. I mean, the, we've got a very topical uh, situation at the moment. I've been writing for years um, that uh, these major internet giants like Google, Google owned uh, YouTube, Facebook, etc., were the creations of the uh, American intelligence community and of organizations like DARPA, the technological development arm of the Pentagon, an organization so sinister it makes Monsanto look like a, a, a Sunday school uh, uh, afternoon. Um, and now, because of the revelations of current times, we're seeing a, the scale of data uh, mining and uh, surveillance that um, is being compiled by Facebook, and B, um, how lackadaisical it is with protecting it. Now, if um, organizations um, in, the, in, the, in the private sector, if you like, can access this Facebook information in terms of billions of people, billions of profiles, and be able to use it um, for political manipulative reasons. Are we really so naive as to believe that the CIA, the National Security Agency, the Pentagon, and so on and so on, is not using the same stuff? And so these things... Um, 
they tend to, I find, get people to go, well, hold on a minute. Maybe there's something in this. Maybe when um, Facebook is doing uh, face recognition in its system, maybe it's not to give you a better uh, experience. Maybe, actually, it's to get even deeper into your life on behalf of some very sinister people. And, you know, the point being, uh, with these internet giants, and we're, we're talking about Google, of course, who can um, manipulate through algorithms the search engine results to emphasize some information and suppress others. We've got um, YouTube now that is blatantly canceling and deleting uh, channels that have gone on for years with lots of followers of pe people who are in various ways challenging the official narrative. And so what you have, it, 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 and this is not in any way an exaggeration, you have in Silicon Valley, on behalf of these other sinister organizations in the background, the greatest concentration of surveillance and censorship power in known human history. That's what we're looking at. And um, it's... it's um, something that is getting more and more people, just this area, to think, hold on a minute, what is going on? Well, what's going on? That's just a smear of what's going on, but it does give you an insight into it. It does. And David, there's something um, else that has to do with the Google, um, a Google, another Google relationship that is incredibly invasive. And talk about gathering useful data. And that is, a lot of people don't know that the original two Google founders, I think it was Sergey and Larry, both married at roughly the same time, the two women that started 23andMe, which of course they funded, which of course 23andMe is gathering with our permission, we pay them to gather our genetic data, which can be used in any way they want. We're talking about a massive ability here to use it in a corrupt fashion. And we're going to be talking about DNA in a little bit, so maybe you can just kind of jump in on this one. Well, um, I, I, I mentioned that connection in the new book, Everything You Need to Know But Have Never Been Told. And there's another connection. The sister of the person at, uh, at that um, DNA database organization um, runs YouTube, which is, um, which is deleting all these channels. Yes. On, on, of those that don't want any alternative to the official narrative. And one of the things that I show in the book very clearly is that when you break it down and break it down to the nub and the core of, of who is calling the shots, who is calling the shots in the public arena, the shadows are really calling the shots, you're looking at an incredibly small people, a number of people. You can easily get them on two uh, hands of fingers um, who are running Google, who are running uh, YouTube or are running Facebook who are running the DNA database company and, um, and then you add the CEO of Apple who is also connected to these people um, and uh, it's an incredibly small number of people that are dictating the information that people receive or don't receive and are um, compiling this uh, surveillance data in great detail, over 7.5 billion people potentially, but certainly in Facebook's case, 2.2 billion 
um, that they uh, they claim as um, uh, active um, members. So you know the the ratio of the few to the many is incredible. And going back to what you said earlier about you know how the conspiracy theory is now you know in our face as fact. I've been saying now for nearly 30 years, a very, very few people control global events and the direction of the world. And people were, were saying for so long through that 30 years, that's crazy, that's impossible. Well, actually, excuse me, it isn't. Look, look what's happening. And technology is allowing this number to get even smaller because the he or she that controls the algorithms, controls the output and the outcome. Um, and uh, you also have to look at this whole artificial intelligence uh, agenda, which is basically in many ways, indeed more than many ways, the end game yeah. of all this, controlling uh, the human mind via um, artificial intelligence so that eventually, and not too far in the future according to their timescale, uh, artificial intelligence becomes the human mind. And look at the, some of the companies that are at the forefront of that AI agenda. Google, right. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, look at it. it, it's obvious. And what has happened is that these companies have been allowed, encouraged, massively funded. I mean. Just as a quick aside, when you watch how these um, various uh, Silicon Valley, what I call the devil's playground uh, companies emerge, whether it's Uber, whether it's Airbnb or, or, or Google or, or Facebook, they actually emerge um, with enormous funding mm -hmm. at a time when there is no prospect of a profit and a return on that funding. It's like money is no object. And what that money does is allow the development, the expansion, the monopoly situation. And once you get the near monopoly, which Facebook and Google has, then it's no, no more, you know, hey, man, uh, Mr. T-shirt, Zuckerberg, hey, man, I'm one of you, cool. Uh, what, they, what you then do is you start changing the rules because – you can now dictate because you have this monopolistic or near monopolistic situation where you can decide what people see and what people don't see. And people have, have of course, been pulled in and fallen for it. And the events of this week have been an absolute wake up call for anyone with half a brain cell on active duty about the scale of what is happening out of Silicon Valley. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, another uh, what I'd like to do with you is go into the intelligence that's behind all this, okay? Because, you know, you were the laughing stock of England and, and start, when you started out, as we've mentioned many times in the past, you would speak to, I think your first talk, you spoke to what, three people? You had three people in a room and oh, now... I've done, I've done major events in people's front rooms, Regina. <laughs> exactly. And now you arrive in certain countries in the world and the mainstream media comes out to greet you because what you have had to say over time has borne out to be true. And it was really based on your understanding that there is a corruption, there's a corrupt type of intelligence at the core that is able to infiltrate into and 
essentially use and control the people that we consider those at the top, the influencers, the elite. And so you, we're speaking of archons, and I thought we would go ahead and dive into this part of the story. Now we have so much to cover about the nature of what archons are, because it's a name that's loosely talked about and, and tossed about as well. And most people have no idea. And then we'll progress that into what does an archon have to do with what you have spoken of as reptilians, for example. And I want to start this story for a reason at where you do in the book at the original kind of flaw in the program and discuss that for a moment because there was an intelligence that was perpetuated in a flawed state. Well, um, I, I, as I've researched over the years, over the decades, um, have um, looked for patterns and looked for common themes because um, my perspective has been that if something is happening now, it's been happening a long time because world events have not suddenly emerged in terms of this manipulation. This, this has been a very clear and a very long uh, journey, well, in our perspective of time anyway, of the constant and incessant centralization of power, for instance, uh, into fewer and fewer hands. So you start with um, uh, a tribal situation where small tribes are deciding how they live their lives. The tribes were then brought together, uh, lots of them, into what we call nations. Now a few people are dominating the, all the former tribes from the, the center of the nation. And then you have, as we have in, in, in Europe particularly, you have the nations brought together. So now a few people are dictating to all the nations. And that, in, that process has now reached the point that we've just discussed where a handful of people in Silicon Valley have such incredible dominance over the, 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 the population, the global population as a whole. You also look at the fact that uh, through uh, this period of what we call time, this timeline, um, people have come in and they've gone out. They've been born and they've died. They've been born and they've died, playing a part in pushing the world in this direction when there was no prospect that the, the outcome would happen in their lifetimes. Right. So you've got people coming in and out, people coming in and out, here today, gone tomorrow, people. Now, it occurred to me a, a long time ago, there has to be a common force, a common thread that links all this, that is always there. And um, as um, I traveled around the world and I, I, I talked to uh, uh, shamans and, and, and other people from ancient cultures, I've read their accounts. I've read the accounts of others of different cultures and their beliefs and what they uh, talk about in terms of the history of the world and their uh, culture. I've talked to endless people um, who are connected to the intelligence community and, and, the, and, and are what you might call insiders and whistleblowers today and there is an extraordinary correlation between all of that these ancient cultures of course call this common thread shall we say different names some like the uh, gnostic people call them archons uh, the zulus call them chittahuri um, uh, the um the Islamic belief system calls them jinn, mm -hmm. so it goes on. 
But what you're looking at is the description of a non-human force, which ultimately is not in form, though it does take. That is an inverted distortion expression of consciousness. And if, you, if you're looking for a word in the human language that would describe it, though it hardly does, but it's the closest we can get, this consciousness is psychopathic. Another way of describing it is demonic from a, a, a more religious perspective. Um, and this consciousness has sought to infiltrate human society pull human consciousness into itself so human consciousness becomes an outward expression of it. And this has moved on and moved on, and we've seen more and more uh, evidence through the ages of this empathy-deleted, um, psychopathic, demonic consciousness, which is manifested in endless um, world events, uh, local and global, which have been expressions of that. I mean, a simple thing. Bombing the, uh, the innocent from the sky in Libya while claiming to be protecting them from violence, that is an expression of this psychopathic um, consciousness in control of that situation, allowing uh, unbelievable numbers of people through the, uh, the decades and centuries to die of hunger in a world of plenty, to, to have the empires uh, that were driven by this, um, these incarnations of this consciousness, known as the British Empire, now we have the American Empire, though they don't give it that name, uh, and all these other empires, imposing their will upon um, other ancient and, uh, um, societies and cultures, um, and, and all that they've done. Um, Pedophilia, um, Satanism, the sacrifice of children. This is all coming out of this psychopathic, I'll call it archontic consciousness uh, as one uh, uh, name for it, which has no capacity for empathy. And uh, one of the things that has people reel back and say this can't be happening, like sacrificing children, torturing children, uh, sexually abusing children, um, and uh, all the, 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 the death and destruction that you see from the, the military, particularly the US and, uh, and, and British military. Um, people say they would never do that. No one could do that. And, 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 and I say to them, no, you could not do that. But this, this consciousness, which expresses itself through these... Uh, these um, various um, military and, and political and corporate and all the rest of it uh, uh, groups, they don't have empathy. And if you don't have empathy and you, you, there are no emotional consequences for your actions because you don't feel any consequences emotionally no matter what you do, the whole fail-safe mechanism of human behavior is gone. It's deleted. It's not there. So um, we cannot, um, in my experience of researching this for 30 years, um, we cannot really um, overplay or exaggerate the scale of what 
people call evil that this consciousness is capable of. And, and here's the key. Up to this point, this consciousness, which of course uh, plays out in a particular band of frequency, which reflects its state of being, a very low band of frequency, it has been seeking to pull humanity in general into that frequency with, it, with uh, their um, perceptual, emotional, and mental states. Uh, because once you pull human consciousness into that frequency, that frequency can merge with human consciousness and take it over. It's an ancient theme of um, possession. So um, the idea has been to structure human society and manifest events that um, pull uh, humanity into states of fear, states of anxiety, states of depression, states of hatred, states of um, uh, unprocessed anger, because anger in, in, its, um, in its form of wanting to make a difference can be uh, processed into something positive. Um, and, and the more that you can uh, pull people into these low vibrational emotional states, you're pulling them into the vibrational stadium of this um, uh, archontic, psychopathic, demonic awareness uh, or consciousness. And that's what's happened. Now, the, the end game that I mentioned about AI is to um, connect technologically the human brain, the human mind, the human thought and emotional processes to artificial intelligence. So instead of manipulating human perception, as has happened up to now, the artificial intelligence becomes human perception and, and does its thinking and emotional responses uh, uh, from that AI perspective deleting what we now call human consciousness. Um, and I hear, as I say in the book, I hear people all the time, of course, AI this, AI that, AI the other. I don't hear this question. What is AI? What is it? See, there's, there's two types of AI. Um, there's one that I call algorithmic AI, encoding AI. And there's the other one, which some people uh, within the business call strong AI. I will call it learning AI, um, aware, a state of awareness AI, um, which I say is an expression of this psychopathic archontic distortion. And what they're doing is manipulating humanity to be technologically connected to that demonic or quantic AI so that that becomes every human thought, every human perception, every human emotion. That's, that's where we are going uh, so fast. And of course, the more they can pull people into cul-de-sacs of non-irrelevant uh, uh, um, focuses of the mind with political correctness or you can't say this and you can't say that or well, what about trump oh oh i like trump oh i hate trump I'm, I'm gonna stop trump i'm supporting trump and all that this is going on 
a few people in Silicon Valley are dictating human society. People are looking over there because they've got caught in the perceptual trap of the here today, gone tomorrow, vaudeville stage show we call politics. So true. And there is, you know, going back in your own work, at the, the one book you had many years ago called Love is All There Is, Everything Else is Illusion. We need to get into the nature of what these beings are not, because we live in this area of um, a, a realm between realms of very, very high frequency, and then these lower realms reaching into it, the archonic, archontic realm reaching into this. And we're the game in between. And one of the things I've been doing recently is I've been out on the speaking circuit talking about this or the origin story from a slightly separate point of view, which I think I shared with you years ago, having to do with us being a kind of hybrid species of this animal complex of earth and this other dimensional being that's highly creative, highly intelligent, has compassion, understands beauty and love. So when you're talking about this archontic realm in your book, you're saying the one thing these beings cannot generate, they can't generate creativity. They don't have any. They can't generate love. They don't have any. Let's talk, talk about why they're trying to do these very things to the human species because people will say, why are they doing it? Why humans? We're a unique and beautiful species at our core and they need what we have. We don't need what they have. Well, what I do in the book, I look at um, the uh, writings of this people. It's not a, a race, it's a belief system known as Gnostics. They were way ahead of their time in many ways. Uh, they were the people that ran the Greater Royal Library of Alexandria, which was way ahead of its, uh, of its time and was destroyed by the Roman Church, of course, because it was way ahead of its time. Um, and they describe in these writings, because um, whenever this Gnostic belief system uh, got, a, got a, a platform anywhere to communicate its ideas and its beliefs, like the Royal Library of Alexandria, like the Cathars in southern France, which were Gnostics, then the Roman Catholic church sent the boys in, the equivalent of sending in the American military or the British military today, and destroyed them. And it, it, it seemed that at the siege of Montegore Castle in southern France in 2012, uh, rather, 44, that that was the end of the Gnostics, and we didn't really know really what they believed. But then in 1945, um, a jar was found, an earthen jar was found at a place called Nagamadi, about 75, 80 miles north of Luxor on the Nile in Egypt. And um, what was inside was an absolute treasure trove of Gnostic writings, which is, it's um, estimated were, um, were probably put in that jar and hidden away about around 400 AD, which kind of uh, syncs with the destruction of the mm -hmm. Royal Library at Alexandria in Egypt. And um, what they describe is a force which ultimately is something that doesn't take form, it's consciousness, um, as I would call it, um, has been um, manipulating human society and human perception and has created a fake reality 
They said that this fake reality was the reality that we experience as the world and that the real reality was beyond it. Um, and what I do in the chapter afterwards, when I explain all this and quote from the texts, is compare what they were saying with the fact, as I've been saying now for, uh, again, decades, but and now more and more mainstream scientists are coming out and saying the same, including a guy called Rich Turrell, um at, uh, at NASA, um, that we live in the equivalent of a vastly advanced uh, virtual reality uh, video game. Interestingly, the physics of our reality and the physics of video games are basically the same. Um, and when you compare the modern computer view um, of being in a simulation and what the Gnostics were describing in their own language of the time, you are, I suggest, looking at the same thing. And they uh, uh, said, uh, basically, that this archontic force had cre created this um, artificial uh, reality, this simulated reality, to entrap the human mind in a prison and had basically made the human body a prison. Um, and going back to what you said earlier about, you know, we are something greater than we appear to be. The human body, the human mind, uh, the human brain, uh, better way of describing it, is a processor of information. It ain't bothered what the information is. It will just process it. What you let in as information, it will process. So if you go way out there, and you get massive insights, well, through the heart too, but through the mind, through the brain, you will process that information and it will manifest here as thought and insight and understanding. But I call the human body, and I have done for decades again, a biological computer. It's a processor of information. It's a receiver transmitter of information. Now, um, if... I want to control what goes on this computer screen in front of me. I have to encode the decoding processes of the computer to decode some information, which is what I want on the screen, but not decode other information that I don't want on the screen. This is the same principle as the Chinese um, internet, where so much of the internet is denied the Chinese because it's firewalled off. What this consciousness manifesting through particular bloodlines and non-human uh, form as well, like reptilians, greys, whatever um, um, out there beyond human sight most of the time, have done, is systematically program and encode the human brain to only process certain um, frequencies of information. And thus, if that's all you do, and that, that a 
encoding is basically the five senses. The information the five senses process is basically what most people consciously um, live their lives uh, with in terms of a perception of self and reality. The idea is to hold people in that five sense reality. So the greater self, the expanded self, not some alien in a spaceship, an expansion of our own consciousness does not impact upon the perceptions of the, um, the conscious mind. And um, when you do that, you are isolating the possibility of perception to what the brain will decode. And we hear uh, phrases that absolutely sum it up. We hear people say, look, mate, I can't get my head around that. No, you can't process that information. That's why so many people still, though it's uh, uh, getting smaller, still think I'm a lunatic and crazy and insane because they literally can't process the information I'm talking about. But the brain will process information that you allow into its processing uh, uh, and decoding processes. Um, and therefore, if you reject the program, which is a perceptual program, which runs from cradle to grave, which I call the postage stamp consensus in the book, where you come out of the womb and your parents who bid through the process you're about to go through are impacting um, what they've downloaded as the program, the postage stamp consensus of possibility and reality, they're now immediately passing it on to you as the youngest uh, uh, child just out of the womb. You then go to what we call school and, and, and uh, university and college, and your whole formative years are um, sitting um, at a desk or whatever, a lecture uh, room, um, having this postage stamp consensus um, given to you as reality. They're telling you what is right, what is wrong, what is possible, what's impossible, what's uh, what's saying what's insane all of it and you go through your entire formative years downloading this program you then go out into the institutions um as as a journalist as a doctor as a scientist as a politician as a somebody in the corporate world um and you take with you all of you this download of postage stamp normal which is a narrow narrow band of perception of the possible you're now in the perceptual prison. You're basically operating in five-sense reality in five cents, the five-sense frequency band. These institutions then confirm to each other that their postage stamp normal is how things are. Journalists don't, um, don't write articles about reality and come to people like me. They don't write articles about health and go to a, 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 a complementary alternative practitioner who may have had amazing success with this particular subject they're talking about, they will go to a scientist or give them the song sheet version of reality, which is, which is a nonsense, provable, so, provably so, and they will go to a doctor or give them the song sheet version of, of that particular health subject. And then all the time, as you're going through this um, sausage machine, this programming machine from birth, you know, to, to, from womb to cemetery, basically, um, 
you're having 24-7 now, the mainstream media are bombarding you with confirmation of this postage stamp consensus of possibility because that's the point of uh, uh, that the, the uh, mainstream media comes from, and I have to say the vast majority of the alternative media, yes. in terms of um, possibility and, and the world. Then you have peer pressure. All the people around you who have been through this programming operation um, who, and bought it, then jump on you if you have the audacity to question it. You look at politics. Oh, politics, we've got choice. Yeah. Do you want someone slightly on the left of the postage stamp or slightly on the right of the postage stamp or someone in the middle of the postage stamp? That's <laughs> politics. Science is on the postage stamp. Medicine's on the postage stamp. The media's on the postage stamp. And, and, and when you step off it, and say, up yours, darling, I'm out of here, you realize the extraordinary amount of information that lies in wait for you once you are um, in, a, in a position where you reject uh, the intimidation to conform to the postage stamp. And then you go, whoa, so that's what's happening. And, and so the, the whole idea is to um, focus perception within a frequency band. And this postage stamp consensus is that focus of perception. I can't. Um, it's not possible. Um, the world is solid. Um, I'm just, uh, uh, you know, I'm just born three score years and ten, and then I disappear into nothingness. I mean, all this stuff. Or some... God is dictating and you must do what this man in a frock says because he knows what God wants you to do and all that stuff. It's all part of the postage stamp uh, um, program, uh, programming. Um, and, and what is happening now, what, we pour, what people call awakening, is that people are stepping off the postage stamp and they're saying, okay, this is what I've been told is reality. Let's see if it stands up. And you're only a few steps off the postage stamp before you say, what a load of crap that we've been believing up to this point. It's a hoax. It's all a, it's all a hoax. Politics is a hoax. Science is a hoax. Medicine is a hoax. Journalism is a hoax. It's all a hoax. And um, this is the awakening. People are awakening not to something new, but awakening to who they've always been but this hoax has um, shielded them from remembering and from understanding. And that's what the awakening is. And yet there's an even more corrupt aspect of this that's been going on for a very long time. And you've been speaking about it for many years. And it's something that I've been kind of reticent myself to really jump into, but because it's coming from all angles right now, I mean from every angle, I thought, no, we need to, we need to talk about it. And we need to talk about the fuel that is being given into these forces by way of incest and pedophilia. And this is the uh, part of the conversation a lot of people are just not comfortable with, as you know, even from the people that follow your work, it's a very, very difficult one. Uh, because something sacro sacrosanct, which is a child's innocence, is being stolen by these very forces, and it's absolutely ubiquitous. In fact, I have to read something to you. This is from 
the Atlantic magazine, it basically said, um, it's an article from the Atlantic that, that dove right into it in the effects of just incest alone on society and said that the United States would come to, and this would have to be Britain and most countries, would come to an absolute grinding halt if all the people that were participating in incest were the whistle was blown, they were indicted, they had to go through the court system, they had to go into jail and so forth, the entire structure of society would absolutely collapse. It's well, the entire structure of the establishment would. It would, and society... As I've shown in, shown in the books many, many times, these elite bloodlines that basically run the world um, as a an expression of this archontic consciousness, this uh, demonic uh, consciousness... Um, incest is absolutely not, uh, you know, here and there. It's it's a fundamental foundation of it. So when you're looking at these people in power from these bloodlines, people like the Bush family, they've all it's it, it, it's incest is the foundation of it. Um, I've quoted people who've, who've interacted with the Rothschilds and 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 what have you, and and, and know that this is the case. Um, so, uh, and the other thing is, of course, is why? You know, when I was in America back in the 90s and I came across uh, the scale of mind control, first of all, but also the scale of pedophilia and child abuse, well, obviously there's a question. Why is it happening? Why, why are these elite bloodlines particularly obsessed with um, incest, obsessed with um, child abuse um, and... and, and sex with children and, and all that goes with it. And then as the years have passed and I've understood more and, and gleaned more information, um, it's clear that, well, again, it's a, it's a simple thing of frequency. One of the things the Gnostics uh, talk about is that uh, the uh distortion feeds off human emotion. Now, this, if we bring it forward to, a, to the area of physics, makes absolutely perfect sense. Because if you have a radio and you tune it to radio one, you get radio one because you're on its frequency. You're not getting radio two, you're not getting radio three. They're on different frequencies. So this archontic distortion operates because of its, its, uh, its nature, its perceptual nature, within a certain band of frequency, a very low band of frequency. And if you are um, feeding energetically off others because you don't have your own um, uh, energetic source of sustenance because you are not, uh, connected in the same way to the wider consciousness we call uh, uh, awareness, you have to feed off energy produced within the frequency band that you operate. And thus, this awareness feeds off fear, anxiety, depression, hatred, conflict, uh, resentment, all these low vibrational emotions, um, which it has structured society to produce. Imagine what a, a world war produces. 
or, or, or what happens is uh, happening in Syria and Libya and Iraq uh, produces in terms of that low vibrational frequency. Enormous amounts of it. And it feeds off it. And one of the uh, things it, it, it's very clear, not just from this Gnostic source, but from other sources in other cultures around the world, is that one particular energy that this distortion wants more than any other is the prepubescent energy of children. Um, we look at puberty and we see it as a hormonal change. But the base form of the body as the base form of this whole entire reality is not what we see, that is a decoded projection of it. It's a holographic decoded projection of it. Um, the base form is waveform information. So for instance, what does a computer do in a Wi-Fi situation? It takes information in waveform Wi-Fi form and it decodes it through its systems and it puts it on the screen in a totally different form to what its base form is, which is Wi-Fi information fields. That is mirroring the way that we decode reality. Um, and uh, so when um, we are uh, decoding um, that information in the, what I call the cosmic Wi-Fi field, we are decoding it onto our screen in the brain in, into the reality we think is outside of us and solid when actually it's a, it's a holographic illusion of solid. So when um, children go through puberty, we perceive it within the projection, the holographic projection as a hormonal change, but the hormonal change is merely a holographic expression of a vibrational frequency change that is going on at the waveform field, in the waveform field of the body. This force wants that energy before that change takes place. And this is, this is why we've had this obsession with the abuse and the sacrifice of children going way back. Uh, the, the ancients used to sacrifice young virgins to the gods. What was young virgins code for? Children. So what we're looking at is something that's always been, but we're now seeing it in a different form, in a different era of human uh, development, if you like. But it's always gone on. And so um, people have no problem accepting that the ancients sacrificed people and children to the gods. Well, who were the gods? This force were the gods in various expressions. Um, and they have no uh, problem um, in accepting that all that happened. What I'm saying is that although there came a point in human development where, in general, people rejected that, it didn't disappear. It went underground. So instead of it doing it, being done in the open as before, we're having a ritual, everybody here doing a ritual sacrifice to the gods. Now it happens in satanic rituals in the unseen. Um, and, and so it's the same, the same thing is going on. And what is happening, for instance, when uh, a child is being sacrificed or, or an adult is being sacrificed, 
is there is a, a ritual um, which, which has been going on for centuries. And they just repeat it. They use the same rituals now that the Druids did and, and the Babylonians did. Um, and they are building up on one level a absolute terror within the victim, understandably so. And at the point of sacrifice, uh, uh, as the terror reaches its climax in this build-up, particular adrenaline enters the body, and that is a nectar to the Satanists in our reality. That's when they drink the blood of the sacrifice. But what's released into the ether, where these, this, these entities and expressions of this distortion operate, beyond the narrow band of frequency that we can see, is that the, 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 the terror of the sacrifice is released and they feed off that. And hence you have the reason for the term sacrifice to the gods. And, and it's happening now. Uh, I came to America in the 1990s, about 1996, and the synchronicity of my life, which has been extraordinary since my own awakening in 1990, took me on a synchronistic journey across America through, quote, coincidences that put so many people and situations into my, uh, into my experience where I saw the scale of it. And, of course, if you go deep enough... <laughs> The American government is based on all this. The American military is based on all this. It's being run by these psychopathic, satanic, demonic entities. Um, I mean, we, we've got a man running the, uh, we've got a man running the uh, American military called Mad Dog. <laughs> Matt, I mean, I mean, giving it away or what? Have a look why they call him Mad Dog as well, and you might you might not sleep well thinking he's in charge of the American military. It's true, David. Um, I think even you, you've made you've made a case for what has happened among the elite very successfully, and I think maybe what is even more disturbing to me is that that has been inculcated into society at large. And I bring it up because back at the time you were noticing these uh, trends, you might say, or these, this kind of overarching energy in America was about the time that I first came into awareness of the subject of incest, for example, in that I found out my mother had been raped by her uncle. I found out my cousins had been raped by their brother. I found out girlfriends had been molested by uncles and fathers. And so we know the, the role that the Catholic Church has played, and in fact recently came into connection with a, a former Polish priest who was raped at, on his birthday at the time of his ordination as a priest. And he is blowing the whistle on from the inside of how this is, how this is endemic to the priesthood in general, what the priesthood is about in the Catholic Church, and from all the all of the um, research he's done. But the reality is, oh, let me give you one more example. Um, Zeus, my husband Zeus, uh, teaches a psychology class, and in in among his students, he has noticed at large that between thirty and forty percent of his students have experienced incest. This is massive. This is this is 
been inculcated, this darkness has been inculcated into society where children are forced to sit at the dinner table with someone who has had, has caused sexual harm to them. The cognitive dissonance in that alone is astounding because it's reached down this deeply. This is why I really decided I wanted to talk to you about this because we have to call it out in our families, our brothers, our fathers, our uncles, or, you know, a twisted mother or aunt from time to time as well. So how does that, how has that happened? Well, um, we're talking about um, a distortion, uh, a distorted consciousness. And as I, uh, I keep saying, this distortion is constantly seeking to impose itself and infiltrate itself and assimilate itself with human consciousness. And of course, what you're describing is an expression of an extraordinary state of um, perceptual distortion. I mean, people like me, I mean, I, I, I grew up in a working class home in Leicester. And um, what was going on behind um, other doors, uh, when I look back, I, I have no idea. But from my perspective, none of this ever uh, happened to me or I ever, never came across it. Um, uh, but, but once you, um, and, and this can be, if you're not open-minded, this can be a block that if it's not happened to you, then it can't be happening. This is right. a very, very strange perceptual connection that people make. Didn't happen to me, can't be happening. What? Have you ever swum the channel? Some people, you know, the English channel, some people have. You know, just because it hasn't happened to you doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And when I got to America in about 1996 and started traveling, I was talking to nobody in terms of events. I was talking to people's front rooms and, you know, eight people in a meeting near Chicago and all this stuff. Uh, but what I was doing was meeting uh, an incredible number of people who were very, very knowledgeable in various areas about what was going on, and I came across this. And it, to me, it was extraordinary. It wasn't something you dismissed. You say, hold on a minute, one person's told you this. Well, that's interesting. Two people tell you, three people tell you in different cities at different times different situations, different backgrounds. Uh, and then it, you basically, it crosses a line where you go, hey, this is happening and this is massive. And, and when you get into the upper, so-called upper echelons of society, the cesspit levels of society that actually run it, it like I say, it's a foundation. I, I um, was in uh, long correspondence for a while with a man in America who was living under another name now, but the, the name that was his, if you like, birth name, was uh, Philip Eugene de Rothschild. He claimed to be, with good evidence, the um, unofficial son of um, one of the, Roth the Rothschilds that started the, um, the wine business, the Moucon Cadet, do they, they call it, in France. Um, and uh, he said he grew up um, at, at, you know, at the center where the wine is produced. And um, he... Um, he told me in, in great detail um, what he experienced. And one of the things he said was that incest is just part of life and that you are brought up. That, because what, what, what's been um, explained to me um, by people who've studied this for a long time, this particular area, uh, physiologically, and, you know, you know, going to things that people don't like, but then we're looking for the truth here. But when... Um, uh, you have anal sex with a child. 
where does it basically take place? In the area of the root chakra, the root vortex of the chakra system of the body, which interpenetrates the body with the wider reality of energy and awareness. And what I've, I've been told, not just by one person either, is that it creates such a shock that goes through the spinal cord, it goes up into the brain, and it does something to the brain. This is what they're looking to do. They understand it a lot more, obviously, because it's passed on through the generations. Uh, so there are many reasons why it's done. And it's almost an initiation in, 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 the, in the elite level, um, it, an initiation into this whole uh, conspiracy in so many ways. Uh, and, um, of course, what that does to you psychologically is almost incomprehensible. And it's, it scrambles you and we come back to the word again, distorts you in terms of what you would be like and what your perceptions would be and how you would feel and how you see the world, how you see yourself, um, by comparison with if it didn't happen. Right. And so what they're doing, these elite families, is they are preparing their own children to... Um, serve the conspiracy in the next generation by preparing them perceptually and locking them in to this low um, vibrational frequency because um, this is what I've understood now over many, many years. These entities that are expressions of this distorted distorted consciousness. Some take a reptilian form, um, some take a, the, the, the form of the gray, some take demonic forms. They take many different forms, but the consciousness is the, is the, is the, the foundation. While these pedophiles and these elite bloodline pedophiles particularly, but pedophiles in general, are possessed by this distortion by this archontic distortion. If you weren't, you couldn't have be in such a empathy-deleted state that you would do that to children. I mean, it's cause and effect here. And while the, the, um, while the pedophile is sexually abusing the child, the possessing consciousness or the possessing entity is feeding off and drawing off the child's energy. It's, it's energetic uh, vampiring that we're looking at with the pedophile as the conduit for this to happen, the possessed pedophile. And you, you, you then listen to shamans talking about their ancient cultures and how those that see beyond what we call the physical into the wider energetic field see the results in children going way back this is not a new thing like i keep mm -hmm. saying no the energetic consequences in their field of 
that energy being drawn off by these entities. Um, and when in the Matrix movies, the Morpheus character held up a battery and said, um, the, the machines have turned human beings into one of these, a battery, that was symbolically exactly what is going on. They're feeding off us. This is why they don't want us loving each other. They don't want us loving uh, ourselves. They don't want us uh, in harmony with each other. They don't want us in heart connection with each other. They don't want open hearts because that takes you onto a higher vibrational state of energy, of frequency. Out of their bandwidth, right? They can't access that. Right, out of their bandwidth. So, you know, when I see people in the alternative media, well, well, I think most of it's not alternative at all. It's just a different part of the postage stamp that realize there is a bit of a conspiracy going on. Um, And they're talking about stockpiling weapons and fighting the enemy. Well, what does this archontic force say to that? Mmm, lunch. <laughs> if you talk about you talk about the need to love each other and be in harmony with each other, oh yeah, that's weak, that is. That's weak, that's not manly. No, well, it might not be manly to you, mate, but it's the only way out of here. <laughs> because your version of being manly, we're gonna fight and all this the rest of it. Uh, that's how we got into this place. And, and what people have got caught in is this vortex going round and round and round the garden, um, meeting meeting yourself back at where you started, round and round and round. This this closed feedback system, whereby uh, you fight the enemy with hatred and with um, with. Um, uh, conflict uh, uh, and all these low vibrational emotions and you feed the quote enemy and empower it to feed back that energy back at you breaking that cycle by breaking that emotional state is the way out of here and that's what they're terrified of that's why they don't want harmony and whenever harmony starts to break out anywhere they're in true through the American military and the British military on one level, uh, breaking that um, harm, harmony uh, and uh, causing um, causing conflict and and the distortion the, the, the distortion to uh, to uh, manifest. For instance, I've just watched today, fully enough, um, a documentary. It's called um, uh, Defamation, and it's by a Jewish guy who did this documentary. Basically, very, very good, very calm, and he just followed it, did a fly on the wall. And it is extraordinary how um, Jewish young people, uh, particularly in Israel, are programmed from birth to believe that everyone else that isn't Jewish hates them. But it's not true. But when you've gone through that in the, all your formative years and all the um, information you're receiving uh, is telling you that, then you believe it. And that distorts your perception of the rest of the world. 
and and you 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 will have um, the Muslim world, the extreme part of the Muslim world, being told that they have to do this because they're different and they that they're better than these people and all the rest of it. That's not the Muslim world in general, but it's just the extreme end of it. And you, they have to impose their will upon it. That's the program, which brings about disharmony and conflict. So if you look at um, the way children are brought up in different cultures, disharmony is programmed in from the earliest age. Instead of having the maturity to say, hey, we are all a point of attention within the same infinite state of awareness. That point of attention can be expansive into infinity or it can be the size of a pea. That, that state or expansion or lack of expansion of awareness is down to your perceptual state because your perceptual state dictates the area of this infinite awareness that you will focus upon. It can be an expanded focus or it can be a very, very focused um, perception of reality where you see yourselves in very, very limited terms, um, basically uh, founded on the five sense me, which is not who we are. It's just a, a, an experience. And therefore, um, when you uh, are get pulled into these what I call phantom self states, where you're self-identifying because of your your tiny the tiny area of focus that you have of possibility, these different focus um, uh, points of focus, which we call Muslims, uh, Jewish people, white people, Chinese people, we call um, a black, white, whatever. Um, they can be played off against each other to divide and rule. Instead of saying, look, we are all one consciousness having different experiences. We're all points of attention within this infinite awareness. And what you call yourself, your phantom self, I am a Muslim, I am a Jew, I am... Uh, a Hindu, I am black, I am white, I am Asian. That's not who you are. That is what your point of attention is experiencing. Now, why can't we say, look, we're all having different experiences. Our point of attention within this short space of experience within this reality is seeing things slightly differently from a different angle. But why can't we respect each other's right to be different without feeling the need to impose our will, our point of focus on everyone else? Then we can uh, be different because, of course, um, being different, expressing uniqueness, is to express the infinity of possibility without being in conflict it's 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 this manipulated perception that somehow what someone believes has to be imposed upon everyone else so a country has to be christianized it has to be um islamized 
um, Hinduized or whatever, why can't we just get on and say, hey, look, you see life from a different angle to me. That's fair enough. Let's have a beer. And, and if you don't drink, well, let's have a cup of tea. Let's do whatever, but let's just have a chat and respect each other's right to be different. But if that happened, of course, what you then have is harmony. What you then have is um, harmonic communication, literally harmonic communication in its effect on the energetic field. Distortion don't want that. It wants all these groups and all these perceptual, um, I would call them programs, played off against each other. That's why we have religious wars, race wars, and all the other conflicts. Um, and in the end, it's all coming from this distortion that is manipulating um, events. But we have the power. The distortion has to pull itself uh, or pull us into it for it to have that power. We can choose not to be pulled into that distortion. And in doing so, we have power over our um, reality and not something else. And that's its worst nightmare. Indeed. And people are starting to resonate with this uh, message now in much more massive numbers than when you started with three people in a living room. And, and I mentioned earlier at the start of the conversation, you'll, go, you'll land in certain countries where mainstream media will even come out to greet you and, and uh, talk about your events that are upcoming. So I would like to know from you, as the person who is probably the, certainly the most well-known on the planet in terms of this whole notion of conspiracy and, and alternate thinking, um, what you're seeing in the world at large, because you're traveling the world, you're talking to people all over the world, what are you seeing by way of awakening? Oh, I'm seeing an incredible difference. Um, I started a, a world speaking tour, which up to just before Christmas took the form of um, – 10-hour all-day events, and now is taking the form of four-hour evening events, um, which, is, which is aimed to, to bring more people in who are curious to look at what the information uh, says, because they're more likely to come to a four-hour evening event if they're yeah. only curious than they are to 10 hours. And the 10-hour event is um, on my website and can be seen anyway. Um, and, but I started in Britain in... 2016, the summer of 2016, I went to right across Australia and, and New Zealand, about six events there. Um, I did um, three in the United States. I went all the way across Europe. I went to Sweden. I went all the way up through the Balkans, where the mainstream media were very, very uh, keen. I mean, I, I was um, I was on mainstream programs in the Balkans uh, that, that anyone else would be on. Prime time. I mean, you imagine um, anywhere else. Uh, being asked onto a breakfast program uh, uh, in, on the main channel and being given half an hour to talk about what you want, uh, what you're saying. It's unbelievable. Um, and what, um, uh, what I'm seeing, and I, I can see this by the number of times I've stopped in the street um, all over the world, um, that this information is getting out there. People are starting to think differently. I was told... Um, when I started out on this journey uh, in 1990 that this was going to happen. It didn't seem like it was going to for a long time, but it is. Um, I mean, uh, when, I, when I was coming down from um, San Francisco to Los Angeles to, to fly out last time I was in America, 
I, I stopped overnight with my son Jamie at a place I love called Morrow Bay. Um, a little seaside fishing place. Beautiful. Love it. And um, I went into a restaurant. We only stayed one night. The waitress read my books. I went across and we, we, we went to a bar and there was a band playing. In the middle of the band playing, the band stopped and the lead singer said, you're not who I think you are, are you? Who read my books? And um, I went to the Isle of Man, which is a small island last weekend, my two sons for a little break before this year takes off. And we were in this um, sports bar watching a football match. Um, not many pe people there. Two people came up to me uh, who were into my stuff. And, and this is happening um, everywhere. I stopped on the street in Australia by a guy in a business suit with a, with a, with a briefcase. And, and, and you see it uh, when I even go around where I live. Um, people who years ago used to laugh at me in the street snigger behind their hand are now coming up asking about what's going on in the world it's 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 really uh the numbers uh, and the uh, the frequency are getting to the point where not only is the number of people that are looking at this uh, increasing dramatically but the kind of people people you would never have thought would have ever turned their minds to this and 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 ironically the more these, um, I, I think, deeply sick and disturbed people in Silicon Valley and those that control them are seeking to suppress this, the more people are saying, well, hold on a minute. So what are they saying then? And uh, so it's almost counterproductive in a way. And when we have challenges, you know, as, as we do, as they try to shut us down, you just have to turn around and run straight at them. And, when, and if a door closes, we'll find another door to open then. Don't, don't sit there moaning. Oh, look, I'm a victim. You know, I'm a martyr. I don't want to be a martyr. And I, will, I refuse to be a victim. We have to get on with it because we have the power. This is what this distortion wants. It wants us to believe we don't have the power because then we sit on our hands and do nothing. Well, where's that going to take us? Nowhere. So you keep going, you keep going, you keep going. And the doors open. Because there is another force at work which operates in a, obviously, because of its very nature, it operates um, in a much higher frequency. And people say, um, when's the cavalry coming? Um, and, well, if the cavalry came, symbolically, and manifested in the frequency band that most people are in, it wouldn't be the cavalry for long. It will be on its smartphone, right, <laughs> watching CNN. We have to expand our awareness to connect with it, and then it can start to influence not just our insights, but influence our experience. Because in the end, whether it's a higher frequency or a low frequency, it's still an expression of this same one consciousness. And thus, um, it's an expression of us. And uh, so, um, as I've said, in the, I've just been putting this, um, this evening talk together, and I, I put, I'm going to put this image on the screen, and it's a guy looking in the mirror, and he's saying, oh, so... It was down to me all along. Yes, it was. It is. It's all down to us. 
And once you externalize responsibility, once you externalize power, what are you going to do about it? Instead, what I'm going to do about it, you're externalizing your power, you're giving it away. To the very, to the very force that is making the world in a state that you'd like to change. Because when you give your power away, and you do that by not taking responsibility, some other force says, oh, thanks for that, I'll have that, I'll have that, I'll have that, and then I'm going I'm to roll it back against you. It, responsibility is the first stage of um, sorting this out. And people have to realize that because they still, in large numbers, even those that are awakening, they would still rather someone else did it for them. That's... Um, no, time for that how is... How we got into this mess. Not how I, we're going to get out I agree. The time for that is over. We have to stand up. We have to do this own, our own 360 or vertical integration with that lovely higher energy that exists within us and exists even beyond us. But that's our choice that we have to do that. And I just, I was laughing when you were talking about all these people coming up. And if you don't mind my being just a wee bit personal before we sign off here, I remember that happening here in Penryn one day when you were a guest here at our house years ago and you went out for a little walk in the country in this kind of redneck area. And you said, Hey mate, I'm kind of lost. I don't know how you get back. You're out in a bird preserve. And the man came up to you and said, Oh my God, are you, are you who I think you are? Out in the middle of nowhere, out in a field, are you David Icke? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I, I use that as a barometer. Yeah. Not because, oh yes, I'm David Icke, yeah, but <laughs> as a barometer. Because, um, I, you know, 30 years ago, um, I couldn't walk down almost any street, certainly in Britain, without being laughed at and ridiculed. Uh, it was uh, historic levels of ridicule. So that was my barometer then, but my barometer now is dramatically changed. And uh, I went through a period where people didn't ridicule me so much, but they didn't take any interest either. But now we're into a stage uh, where the barometer is saying, hey, something's happening here. Um, there's a change taking place. And I think it's very, very important. Um, one of the things that the... Um, I would call much of it so-called alternative media has done is focus on the fact that there's a problem. Now that is important because unless you realize there's a problem, um, unless you realize the world is not like you thought it was, then nothing's going to be done about the fact that it's not like you thought it was and there is a problem. But if you only stay in the five sense level of this, with names, dates, places, and what have you, which I do enormous amounts about because we need to know that. But if you stay there only, then what is left to find answers than to stop pile weapons to fight the enemy or to support another hoax called Donald Trump in the desperate belief that he's different to all the other stooges that went before? He ain't. That's all that's left. Because if you stay in the five sense level of the problem, you can, only, you can only seek out and perceive five sense answers to the problem. Yeah. And A, the five sense problem is manifesting in the world of the five senses, but it ain't coming from there. And B, therefore, if you're going to solve the problem or remove the cause of it, which is a better way of doing it, then you have to do it at the level it's coming from. 
not at the level it's manifesting. It's like trying to change a movie uh, by shouting at the screen. It ain't going to change. You've got to change where the movie is being projected from. And that's in the area of consciousness and awareness. A distortion or a harmony. That's the choice. We have a world of distortion because it's being manipulated by a consciousness that's distorted. We will have a world of harmony when um, the dominating um, frequency, the dominating energetic state is one of harmony. If we're in a room together, a group of people, and we're all getting on and respecting each other, then that energetic field in that room is harmonious and people feel it they feel um, joy they feel happiness they feel good about being in that energy and interacting with those people you put the same people in another room in another perceptual state and they're all arguing and cussing with each other and condemning each other then that is a massively distorted state and people feel it all atmosphere in this room you could cut it with a knife why could you cut it with a knife because it's so heavy because that's the frequency that's manifested by that state of being and do we want to live in that room or that room that world or that world that's the choice and we are responsible for which one it is here here I know your dinner bell is ringing. I've been watching the time. I think your dinner's right about up now. I know. I, I, I put me food in the oven. <laughs> Thanks Just for running it right up to the time the bell. You're an hour and a half, which I, I, I thought it would run. So I I'm, I'm not quite on the smell of burn yet, but it might not be far off. I, I think so. I'm watching your timer right here. David, <laughs> I want to thank you so much. I'm, I'm just so... Um, I'm just so happy for you that you have hung in there all these years until the tide has finally started turning your own life is just going gloriously they're making a movie about your life i understand you have your new book out everything you need to know but have never been told so people can kind of look into the entire story of what we've been talking about and a thousand times more any final statement before we sign off yeah also that you know that that a 10 hour um, all day talk that I've been doing around the world that's available at davidlight.com um, as well in, 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 um, in, in uh, four sections. Um, well, you know, I, I, I look at the world now and um, there are many, many challenges because uh, this manipulation is desperate to shut down the ability to communicate. There, there are groups in Britain who are trying to uh, every time to, stop me speaking in public it's unbelievable that it's uh, it's allowed but it is but i'm working um and every time they um they get a venue to cancel through absolute lies which the venue of course never checks out um we find another one um and we carry on uh and and so there are challenges but when i look back 30 years when i couldn't walk down any street in britain without being laughed at when I look back, I don't know, 10 years, 12 years, when people just weren't really interested in any number, and then I look at now, um, then something is happening. And I was told, I, I met a lot of psychics um, in the early days when I was first awakening. I first had my you know, massive awakening in 1990, 91. And um, there was a common theme among them that, um, they were saying, we're being told to tell you 
that there's a vibrational change coming and it's going to um, wake humanity up from its coma and all that's been hidden is going to be brought to the surface where it can be seen. Well, of course, in 1990, there was no evidence of that whatsoever. But I look now and it's happening. And the first book I wrote, which came out in 1991, uh, which I wrote in a daze because I didn't know what the hell was happening to me. Um, I called it Truth Vibrations because that's the name I gave to this uh, energetic vibrational awakening uh, frequency. And when you look at it now, look at all that's been brought to the surface that was hidden before, that we know now, that we didn't know in 1990, we didn't know five years ago. And uh, look at all the people that are awakening, because this, what I was told was that this uh, frequency change, this truth vibration, would um, affect those that were more awake first, but eventually would, would awaken those that at that time were solid gold asleep. It's happening. It's happening. Not, not in the numbers we would like, but in numbers that are shocking compared with what it used to be like. And I've been doing this for 30 years, so I've been a bit of a barometer myself of this awakening and how it's changed. And never, never even close to what's happening now. And uh, so there's, there's a lot to be encouraged about. And as for um, not giving up, well, never, 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 never. Um, and uh, because um, when you give up, I mean, what, what does that mean? You're accepting what is. I don't accept what is. I never will. Therefore, um, to the moment I leave this reality, I'll be doing what I do. And on behalf of myself and everybody watching this and the millions of others who've been exposed to you, I truly thank you for being the warrior that you are and for never giving up. David, thank pleasure, you so pleasure. much. For really spending. nice to talk to you again after all this time. Regina. I know. I hope to see you before too terribly long over in England. So go well. Have a Come to America next year and do a do a oh, lot. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, definitely catch you then for sure. So meanwhile, have a lovely dinner. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for your lifetime of work, David. Thank you. I, I'm cooking it. It can't possibly be a lovely dinner. <laughs> but I'll get by. Okay. See you. Bye. Bye. And for more on David Icke, you can go to davidike.com. Again, pick up a copy of his new book. And in the interim, um, I just want to thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com. Until next time, thank you. <laughs>